0: Ruth chapter one, the book of Ruth. Can you believe that? Years and years ago, I preached out of the book of Ruth is when we were in that sanctuary and I preached out of the book of Ruth and how it's a wonderful book that teaches us about redemption, our redeemer, what that means. And uh, it's summertime, and I thought it'd be great if we go through the book of Ruth again and focus on Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. And so we'll be looking at it today, and Lord willing, all the month of August, I titled this series, Be Redeemed. Be redeemed. Redeemed. Hallelujah. So reading out of Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled... If you're trying to find the book of Ruth, it's Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. Just a little four-chapter book, all right? Now, it came to pass in the days when the Judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and that name means, my God is king. So there is Elimelech, who had the testimony that his God is king living in a little tiny town called Bethlehem, which literally means the house of bread. All right. Went to dwell in the country of Moab. Went to the world, he and his wife and his two sons. The names of his two sons were Malon and Kileon, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and she was left and her two sons. Now, they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. Now, 10 is a biblical number that signifies testing or trial. 10 commandments were to give our tithe, the 10th, to the Lord. 10 virgins, five were wise, five were it's, it's a It's a number that speaks of testing. And as you see here, they failed the test. And they dwelt about 10 years there in the nation of Moab. Then both Malon and Kaleon also died. So the women survived, her two sons and her husband. So right now we have Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. Orpah and Ruth were Moabite women. Naomi obviously was the wife of Limelech. She was uh, an Israelite. But this is a message, this is a book that has to do with redemption. There's a man that's going to be introduced in Ruth chapter 2, his name is Boaz. And Boaz was a, a single man, a wealthy man, owned lots of property. He was a gracious man of the town of Bethlehem. And this man named Boaz set his eyes on the Moabite woman named Ruth, had a heart for her, fell in love with her, and wanted to be her redeemer her and her mother-in-law there, Naomi, because they lost their husband and their… she lost her husband, and then Ruth and Orpah, they lost their husbands. They were now slaves. They were in poverty. They didn't own their land. They didn't have any means to purchase it back. And so, God provided a way for a Redeemer to rise in the family and purchase back those that were sold into slavery, are those that had lost their, their land and their livelihood due to unable to pay back debts. And so that's what Boaz did. We see that in the book of Ruth. And so he is a wonderful type of Jesus Christ. The word redeem means to buy back. The term was used specifically in reference to the purchase of a slave's freedom. God, through the cross, purchased our freedom. We are no longer in bondage to sin, to the law, or the law's curse, or to Satan himself. We are now free. So redemption, redemption. The Bible says that redemption means to buy back or to purchase back. The Bible tells us that we were redeemed, not with corruptible things like silver or gold, but the Bible says we were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Redeemed with the precious blood of jesus christ it was the lord jesus christ who became our redeemer we were at one time sold into slavery a slave to sin's power a slave to the law's curse a slave to the devil himself or we were held captive by him at his will the bible says we were ensnared held captive and we were not able to redeem ourselves we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't pay a price to set ourselves free. We were without God, without hope in this world. We needed somebody to come and save us or redeem us or deliver us from this place of captivity that we found ourselves. It says in Psalm 107 verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, he redeemed us or paid the price and delivered us from the hand of our enemy, the devil himself. We are no longer under his power, under his way, but we've been translated out of his terrible kingdom and brought into the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. That's redemption. That's wonderful. And if you're a believer, you have been redeemed. Hmm. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? The soul that sins shall die. That basically is the curse of the law. It's death. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the Bible tells us that before we're saved, we're under the power of the enemy We're his slave. We need to be purchased back from Satan's clutches or kingdom. The Bible also says we're a slave to the law, the curse of the law. The law was never intended to be a system of righteousness whereby we can save ourselves but the soul that sins shall die. The Bible says we're born in sin and conceived in iniquity. We're sinners. Therefore, all of us sin. All of us fall under this curse. Who can deliver us from this curse, from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, which is death? Well, we have a Redeemer, Jesus Christ, that can do that. Amen? Redeem means more than salvation from sin. It means to be renewed and restored to a place of blessing, increase, and purpose. My life has been redeemed. I've been bought out of slavery. I've been brought into God's family. But more than just that, God has made my life so much better. He saved me, redeemed me, delivered me, forgiven me, changed me brought me into a large place blessed me man my life is so much better and if you are saved today you have been redeemed and he has made your life so much better all things have passed away and all things have become new somebody say amen to that has christ changed your life Has Christ made a difference in your life? Has he brought increase? Has he made your life so much better? You should be able to say yes to that. Ruth is a book about redemption. Boaz, the character that is introduced in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, became a, what the Bible calls here, a kinsman redeemer, a kinsman. He was next of kin, or he was a relative of Elimelech and also of Naomi. And by extension, to her two daughter-in-laws, or the one specifically, Ruth. Now, a kinsman redeemer, it's the Hebrew word goel. It basically says this in the law. If a Jew became so poor he had to sell himself or his property, the nearest relative could buy back him or his property. And so, as Naomi and Ruth returned from the land of Moab Moab after 10 years, they were poor and destitute. They had no husband. She had no male children, nobody to watch out for them. They had lost their property. They had no way of getting it back because of their poverty. And along comes this wealthy man that was a relative of Naomi, and according to the law, he could pay the price and redeem them or buy back their property or even themselves that they were slaves. That's the story of the book of Ruth. You had to be a relative. You had to be a blood relative. You had to be next of kin. You had to be, be a near relative in order to be able to do this, to have the legal right according to the law, to be a redeemer. And the Bible says this about Jesus Christ, who is our kinsman redeemer. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren. God could not redeem us. Man had to redeem us. But man cannot redeem us because we're all sinners and we can't save ourselves, let alone save one another. So God became man and became like us us flesh and blood part of the human race jesus then became like unto us and could according to the law purchased our redemption not with silver not with gold but with the precious blood his own blood what a story what a story. Jesus is a kinsman redeemer. He also is a wealthy redeemer. The Bible tells us in Ruth chapter 2 verse 1, there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. We see there in Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 that this man Boaz was a relative of Elimelech, Naomi's husband. The Bible says he was a man of great wealth. So it took money for Boaz to purchase back the property that Naomi and Elimelech had lost when they moved to to Moab. He had to have the money. He had to have the wherewithal, the wealth to be able to do it. He had to be able to pay the price, to pay the price. You get what I'm saying here? Jesus is that wealthy redeemer. He had the price He had the ransom, he had the wherewithal, he had the power, he had the ability, he had the wealth, if you don't mind me putting it that way, to pay the price for our ransom, for our redemption. He was not poor, but rather rich in what he needed to offer. Now God owes the cattle on a thousand hills, but the price of our redemption was not silver and gold or cattle. Jesus Christ had to pay the price with his own blood. But he had to be a spotless Lamb of God. So only God, who is holy, could be spotless. Only God had to become a man to be a kinsman redeemer. And Jesus had to obey the law continually and perfectly from the moment he was born to the moment he died to be that spotless Lamb of God, which he did. He fulfilled that law's obedience. Praise God for that. And he died on that cross having shed his blood. And then that became the redemption price. Jesus had what it took. He was wealthy with the power of his own blood. What a sacrifice. What a salvation we have in Jesus. Amen. So he was a kinsman redeemer, he was a wealthy redeemer, and like Boaz, he was a willing redeemer. You know, it's interesting, Boaz, he shows up on his property, and Ruth is there, she's gleaning in the fields, and this was what poor people could do. They could take the corners of fields and glean the corners of the fields, and also they could follow after the reapers, after it's been all picked over, they could follow after the reapers and find what was not picked over. And so it was a very meager existence, very challenging existence. Boaz shows up, and there is Ruth gleaning among the fields because she's very, very poor. And for some reason, he's wealthy. He has all kinds of power. He's a man of great influence. He's respected and esteemed. You could call him the world's most eligible bachelor. And he sets his heart, his affection upon this girl, this Moabite woman, And he is willing to pay the price. He's willing. Jesus said, no one takes my life, but I lay it down to myself. Jesus Christ was willing. The price was his own blood. He had that to offer. He was willing to pay that price. Isn't it amazing? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that Jesus was willing to come and lay down his life willing. He not only was a willing redeemer, not only was a kinsman redeemer, not only was he a wealthy redeemer, but like Boaz, he was a loving redeemer. Boaz ended up loving this poor destitute, needy, Moabite woman. A matter of fact, according to the law, Moabite was not even able to enter into the assembly of the Lord. They were wicked. They were cast off. They weren't even welcomed in. The law says no, but the grace and love of Jesus Christ says yes. Boaz set his affection on her, Was willing to redeem her, had the price to pay to redeem her, and was next of kin, one of her, so he could redeem her. All these things point to Jesus Christ, our great redeemer. Somebody say amen to that. Hallelujah. This study is very important. Number one, you learn about the consequences of sinful decisions. Elimelech obviously made a terrible decision taking his family to Moab during a time of famine. Always remember, choices determine destiny. You'll also learn about the sovereignty and providence of God, how God was ruling in heaven, overseeing all things in heaven, working out his plan. Making that plan come alive in Naomi's life and Ruth's life. It's interesting. Everybody needs to be redeemed in this story. Everybody does. And also, this study is important because we'll learn about the redeeming work of Jesus. And during a season of bad news and everything that's happening in this world, if if you can come here and learn about Jesus and how wonderful Jesus is, how Jesus can redeem your life. May your heart be opened up to love Jesus yet more and more. Amen. Isn't that what we need to do, is love Jesus yet more and more? And you can come to your Bethlehem, the house of bread, which is Cornerstone Church, and you can learn about your great Boaz, your great Redeemer, Jesus Christ, and what all he has done for you. And if your heart can be enlarged to love him more, you'll love him more, you'll serve him more, you'll obey him more, and you'll be blessed more if you get more of Jesus. I want more of Jesus. I want more of his great love, rich and full and free. I want more of Jesus, so I'll give him more of me. Give him more of me. Everyone in this story needs to be redeemed. Elimelech certainly did. His name, as I mentioned, means my God is king. He made a sinful decision to move his family to the country of Moab. He led his family astray. He not only moved them there, but in verse 2 it says he remained there. It's interesting, Elimelech should have remained in Bethlehem. Everybody else did. When when Naomi returns back with Ruth 10 years later, it's full of people bringing in the harvest. They stayed. Elimelech is, is an example of a husband or father that leads his family to the world, leads them astray. Where are you as husbands and fathers leading your family? That's an important question to ask, isn't it? Elimelech, my God is king, ends up leaving Judah, Israel, the promised place, and Bethlehem, the house of bread, or his church, to go to Moab, the world, and live there and remain there. And he died there. He's an example of somebody that has a profession of faith. Oh, my God is king, but is attracted to and drawn to the world Moab. If anybody needed to be redeemed, this man did. The only problem is he died in the world. Fathers, husbands, you have a great responsibility to lead your family, to train up your children in the way that they should go. To point your children to Christ, to lead your family in the things of the Lord, to take your family, that wife, and your children, and bring them to the house of God, the bread of God, the house of bread, right? Bethlehem, your local church, and raise them in the house and train them in godly ways. That's our responsibility, and it's a blessed one of that. The other one that needed to be redeemed was his wife, Naomi. Her name means pleasant. Boy, she wasn't pleasant by the time those 10 years went by. She lost her husband. Her two sons passed away. She became bitter, empty, and cast down. Matter of fact, at the end of the book of Ruth, chapter 1, she says this. She returns to Bethlehem, Judah. She says, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant, but call me Mara, which is the Hebrew name for Mary, which means bitter, For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? There we got the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, Naomi's perspective on it all. She comes back bitter rather than pleasant in her soul. And I want you to know, if you go the way of the world, if you return to the world, if you blame God for the consequences of your sinful decisions, you will get bitter. You will lose your testimony. She blamed God rather than taking responsibility for her husband's decisions and her own agreement in those decisions. She came back lonely, bitter, hopeless, and empty. Wives and mothers, just like with Naomi, God can give you a second chapter in your life. He can give you a brand new beginning, and that's exactly what He did with Naomi. Start of chapter 2, verse 1, everything began to change for Naomi. She came back bitter and empty and without sons, And all of a sudden, God in his providence says, my hand is still on you. My blessing is still on you. I have a second chapter in your life. I can turn things around. I'll be your redeemer. That's exactly what happens. God redeemed this lady named Naomi. She came back empty and bitter. By the end of Ruth chapter 4, she's full of hope and joy. Somebody say amen to that. Well, we had the two sons, Malon and Kylion. Malon, his name literally means sickness. I'm going to name you sickness. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Perhaps, perhaps, maybe uh, Naomi was sick during the pregnancy, or maybe Malon was born sickly, and maybe that's why he was given that name. His brother's name, Kylion, literally means pining or wasting away. These two men married Moabite women. They had no children. They were fruitless. The Bible says they were Ephrathites, meaning they were born in Bethlehem. They represent children born and raised in church, but yet wander away to Moab, the world, and begin to embrace the culture of Moab and even marry those women. The Bible says that they were 10 years in Moab. And as I mentioned, 10 is the biblical number for testing. Can I say this? They, along with Elimelech, flunked the test. They embraced the culture of Moab. They left the land of purpose, the promised land Israel and Judah. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37 verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Elimelech did not dwell in the land. That's the land of promise, the land of purpose. Israel represented that land. They didn't dwell in that land. They left that land. Hmm. Young men, are you living in Moab or Bethlehem, Judah? You know, Bethlehem, as I mentioned, means house of bread. Judah means praise, the house of bread and praise, the house of worship and the word. They left it. Too many young men are leaving God's house, leaving God's people, leaving their faith, going off to a land called Moab, as it were, a land without God, without hope, accursed of the Lord, living in this world and embracing that culture, thinking that's the way to happiness. Yet they found themselves childless, ended up dying in Moab. So we have Elimelech; he needed to be redeemed. Naomi, she needed to be redeemed. Malon and Kyleon, they needed to be redeemed. Then we had the two girls, Orpa and Ruth. I don't know if you realize this—that Oprah Winfrey, she was named after this character. Only the mother misspelled it, and rather than Orpa, it became Oprah. True story. Orpa, Orpa, all right. <laughs> Orpa literally means the back of the neck, or one who turns back. And that's exactly what she did, right? If you read the rest of Ruth chapter 1, she had the opportunity to return with Naomi and Ruth to the land of Israel, but she turned back, went back to Moab, her people. She showed them the back of her neck. The idea of stubbornness, you're stiff-necked. She's going to do what she's going to do. That's Orpah. The other one is Ruth. Her name literally means beautiful friend. Now, they were both Moabites. As I mentioned, the law forbid the Moabites from entering the assembly of the Lord. The law said, you're not welcomed, Ruth. But the grace said, you're welcomed. I have a plan for you. I have redemption for you. Boy, that's my story. The law said, I'm a sinner. I'm estranged. I'm under a curse. The wages of sin is death. I am an enemy of God. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ said, welcome. You are forgiven. I am your redeemer. I am changing your life. I'm putting my Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Listen, we have been redeemed. Somebody say amen to that. Orp and Ruth have a great message for all the women in the house. Will you be a friend of God or one who turns their back or their neck? to God. Everybody needs to be redeemed. Israel, the people of God, all needed to be redeemed. The Bible says there was a famine in the land. Imagine that, a famine. Bethlehem means house of bread. No bread in the house of bread. A famine of the Word of God. The Bible says there's a drought of rain because nothing was happening. A drought of the Holy Spirit, a famine of the Word of God. It was during the time of Judges, so if you read the book of Judges, that's the time that this story took place, during the time of the Judges. The time of the Judges was a time of idolatry, disobedience, and everybody doing what's right in their own eyes. As I read this story and researched it, studied it out, the book of Ruth was written during the time when the Moabites were dominating and oppressing the nation of Israel. Matter of fact, in Judges chapter 3, it's a story of a wicked wicked oppressor named King Eglon. It's a very obese man. And God raised up a deliverer named Ehud. He was a left-handed guy. He had a dagger hid. And he goes in to see King Eglon in his bedroom. And he stuck that dagger in and went all the way in. And the Bible says his fat enclosed around it. He escaped out through the window. And his servants thought, You know, what's taking place? You know, it's taking so long. He's still in there. Is he going to the bathroom? What's happening? And as they tarried outside the door, Ehud made his escape and called the Israelites to action, and they overthrew the Moabites and this wicked king, Eglon. It was during that time that the book of Ruth took place. It was during the time when Moab was oppressing Israel that Elimelech said, I got a great idea. Let's move to Moab. That'll solve our problem. It never solves your problem to go the way of the world, to leave Christ, to show on the back of your neck. Even if you're having difficulty or challenges in Christ, in Israel, even if there's a famine or a challenge in your faith, you never answer that challenge by saying, I will abandon my faith. I'll return to this world. I'll find salvation there. Listen, there's no salvation there. Just as King Eglog was a wicked king, so the Satan is a wicked oppressor. And if you turn from Christ and God your father and go back to the world and try to find life there, you'll find no life there. And the book of Judges is just a, a, a cycle of defeat. Israel would serve the Lord for a time and then they would get comfortable in their prosperity and they'd start to sin against God. And then God would cause them to fall into captivity. And the captivity would be harsh as they had oppressors over them. What would they do? They would repent and call out to God. God would hear them and raise up a delivery judge and rescue them from the hand of the enemy. And then Israel in gratitude would serve the Lord. And then after serving the Lord, what would they do? Fall into sin. And then when they fall into sin, God would raise up an oppressor, and they'd fall into captivity. And the captivity would be severe, and they would cry out to God and repent. And God would raise up a judge and and deliver them from the oppressing enemy, and they'd be thankful, and they would serve the Lord. And they'd get comfortable serving the Lord, and what would they do? Fall into sin. And they fall into sin, God would raise up and oppress them. They'd fall into captivity. And then in their captivity, they would repent and call on the name of the Lord. Then God raised up another judge and deliver them from the oppressor. And then in their thankfulness would begin to serve the Lord. And then after they served the Lord, what would they do? Fall into sin. Then fall into captivity. Then cry out to God. Be delivered. Be thankful and serve the Lord. And then fall into this. And a cycle. To the whole book of Judges, that's the cycle. Over and over and over again. And some Christians live in a cycle just like that. Oh, they're serving the Lord, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're, they're turning away from God. Next thing you know, they got these bondages in their life. The next thing you know, it's it's brought great consequences. So they're they're repenting before God, and they for a season will serve the Lord. And the next thing you know, you know, where are they? Well, they're back in the sin again, and uh, now they got this bondage in their life. Now they're repenting of their bodies. Now God's being gracious again. I want you to know that God wants you out of that cycle. It's a cycle of defeat. He wants you to journey with God. We go from strength to strength, faith to faith, glory to glory. Somebody say amen to that. We don't fall into these cycles, serving the devil, and then being tired of the consequences and calling out to God. God in His graciousness delivering us, and He is gracious. Praise the Lord. And if you find yourself in that cycle of defeat, you need a redeemer. You need to make up your mind. My heart is fixed on Jesus. I've made up my mind. I'm going to walk with God. I've made up my mind. I'm going to heaven. Remember we used to sing that chorus? I've made up my mind. I had to talk with Jesus. I've made up my mind. I'm going to walk with God. I've made up my mind. I'm going to heaven. My heart is fixed. Oh, Lord, I've made up my mind. You know, sometimes we just simply need to make up our mind and make that commitment. And, and by the grace of God, let that commitment stick. Get out of that cycle of defeat. Is there anybody here today that's in that cycle of defeat? that have li- turned their back on God. You find yourself living in Moab or the world, believing that maybe you don't even have a second chapter of your life, is just one of emptiness and bitterness. Perhaps you're like Elimelech and you've led your family astray. You need a redeemer. You need forgiveness. God can bring that to you. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. Moms and dads, Husbands and wives, men and women, young men, young women, we all need a redeemer. No matter where we find ourselves, we need redemption. We need a redeemer. We need to make up our our mind. With your heads bowed, I'm going to have this prayer and I want to include you in this prayer. Do you need a redeemer? Do you need a turnaround? Do you need a changed life? Do you need to turn over that new leaf, as it were? Are you in a cycle of defeat? Where are you at right now? If you would say, Pastor Tim, include me in this prayer. I'm going to give my heart to Christ. I want to make up my mind from this day forward, I'm going to serve Jesus. From this day forward, I'm going to be a follower of God. If you want to be included in this prayer of turning your life to Jesus and believing on him, just raise your hand. And I will pray with you. I see that hand over there. Any the other hands? Just raise them up. Yes, I see that hand. Two girls right there. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, want to be included in this prayer. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hand high so I can see it. Yes, I see those hands. A lot of hands right there, right in there. Yes, right over there. Those of you that raised your hands, can you just lift up your eyes at me right now? Just lift up your eyes. Yes, right there. Yes, right there. Your girls right there. As the congregation stands, I want to pray with you right here. All right, there's about five or six of you. Go pray with you and let's believe God. All right, can you encourage them, church? Let's all stand. Make your way on down. Can you do that? Make your way on down, just right down here. Yes, come on down. Come on down. That's right, be bold, be brave. God will meet you right here. You got a whole family coming, got a lot of girls right in there that raised their hands. You can come on down too Come on down, too. All right. Go ahead and encourage them. All right. Praise the Lord. Well done. Great to have you. Praise the Lord. What's your name? Brendan. Brendan? Casey. Casey. Brendan, Casey. And your name? Jim. What is Jim? Jim. All right. Praise, Praise the Lord. Stretch out your hand. You guys just pray this prayer with me. All right. I'll lead you in this prayer. You just pray it out loud with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. change my life I need to be changed I need your forgiveness come into my heart and make me a Christian things are going to be different now I'm going to be a follower of Jesus forgive me of my sins in Jesus name I pray just stay right here stay right here have these young girls come up here too. Just pray this prayer, okay, girls with me. Say, Dear Lord, change my life, forgive me of my sins. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to get your names down because I want to be praying for you. All right, I'm going to be praying for you, Jen. I'll be praying for you. What a great day. You got your children here? That's right. From this day forward, you're going to be a follower of Jesus. You got that, kids? From this day forward, yes. You'll be a follower of Jesus. If you guys can just follow Skip and Bonnie, they're going to get your names down, and I'm going to be praying for you guys, all right? They'll give you some information as well. God bless you. God bless you.